For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check us out every day on Dash Radio. Download the Dash Radio app. Search for Nothing But Net. You'll find us. All of that is free, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also, check out my new show on OnSideRadio.com. That is also 10 to 11 a.m. We cover more South Florida sports there. We use only Five Reasons guests, so that's another place to find me, at least, and some of us here in the Five Reasons Sports Network. And check out FiveReasonsSports.com. That is our free website. No paywall. We're credentialed to all the South Florida teams. We cover all the South Florida teams. And we have more contributors covering the South Florida teams than anybody else. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And that includes our friends over at Biscayne Bay Brewing. This is the official beer of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Also, of Inter Miami and of the Miami Marlins. Check out the Tropical Bay IPA. I've got that one here, the Marlins Lager as well. And when you go to a store, ask for it, okay? Or you go to a restaurant. A lot of them here in South Florida are just starting to stock it. So make sure you ask for Biscayne Bay Brewing. Check out the website at BiscayneBayBrew.com. You'll, again, find there where you can find it, which Publix is, and all of that. This is, like I said, the beer we're drinking at Five Reasons Sports. And now, today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sidney, Alex Toledo, and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Check out the other episodes in this series. We're breaking down five of the themes from the Pat Riley presser. In addition, we did an episode, uh, Greg Sylvander and I, and Greg's going to be joining me here along with Alex Lito. We did an episode about Riley's comments related to the Lakers, which were totally taken out of context. And Greg, I can just say briefly here, we were right. It got all the way up to Skip Bayless today. So that's exactly as we projected it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly as we projected. All the clowns had their say in misconstruing that quote. And somehow Shannon Sharp on the clutch payroll managed to turn it into an anti-LeBron thing, which is something else that you and I predicted. But let's get to today's episode. Pat Riley, uh, Alex Salito and I, Alex is on with us as well. We spoke in the last episode about who's untouchable among the young players. But Pat also spoke about the veterans, particularly the free agents. And there were a few comments I want to get to. I'm going to read here four tweets that I tweeted out on the day of the press conference, which Alex was on with me. He said, Pat Riley says, it, quote, it would be nice to know what the salary cap numbers are, quote, in a tidy little binder, end quote. But because of the pandemic and the delay, quote, the NBA and the Players Association are going to try to get that together. And then I said, but he, he says he knows priorities are to take care of current Guys, then he said a little bit later, he mentioned Goran Dragic specifically as a player that they want to take care of. And of course, he's a free agent. Then he also said, Myers Leonard is the most enthusiastic player he's ever been around, quote, and he's a hell of a player. And then additionally, he said, oh, we mentioned this on a previous pod that Derek Jones Jr., who also applies on this pod, 
because he's a young player, but also a free agent, was squeezed out this season by Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder. Quote, I feel bad for Derek. He says they will speak on a contract. He didn't really speak about Jay Crowder specifically, but of course he's the fourth core free agent. Solomon Hill is a free agent as well. Let's start here with you, Greg. Mentioning Goran Dragic specifically, pulling him out from the rest. Um, is there any scenario you see where Goran Dragic is not with the Heat next season? And if he is with the Heat next season, how does that affect everything else they can do? I mean, I, I don't see any scenario where he wouldn't be back because I think this is a perfect route for them to essentially offer him the one-year balloon payment um, above market value just for the one season. And that will essentially mean that they're operating as an above the cap team and, uh, and they'll, you know, take care of them this year, much like they did Dwayne for the one season. And then you hope that, um, you know, they, they can work out maybe something more long-term once they get the flexibility for 2021. You and I were going over some of the numbers here, right? Give me kind of, again. We don't know what the cap's going to be specifically. Yeah, it's so I mean, true. It, it could be between five and fifteen million below projections or what it was. Um, again, based on how they smooth it, based on what the actual revenue figures are, based on how long the season's going to be, that you know, coming up. Uh, but you and I were going over numbers. Where is the sweet spot for a one-year deal for him, where they can still do some other things? I, I, that one year, $20 million mark, $22 million at the most. I mean, essentially they're just, they're working with the luxury tax line and that'll be anywhere between one, 132 million and 139 million. And they just don't know yet. So essentially they're working with somewhere between 50, 55 million to um, avoid the luxury tax and pay all these guys. So Gorn would be one. So you would hope they could get him for somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 20 to 22 million. 20 to 22 million, Alex, do you do it? If it crowds out other things that you can do? I mean, where is the threshold for you where you say, Goran, we just can't? I'm not sure about that, really. I think 20 to 22 sounds just about right, especially given that he's played ball with the team before. I think you mentioned, I mean, the only way that a scenario would happen where I think Goran wouldn't return is a very unlikely one. It's just like them lowballing him, which doesn't seem like it's going to happen given everything they've said and, you know, offering him like 10 million or something. And being like, well, you just went through this injury. And, you know, if, if there was some type of miscommunication where he didn't see that coming or he's got, he got offered a lot less than he expected, but I just don't think it's going to be the case. It seems like all these parties are kind of hand in hand. Everybody's on the same page. So I would be extremely surprised he wasn't on the team next season. And I'll be surprised if it was anything more than 22 million. I don't think he's, he's going to be offering. I mean, I don't think he's in a position, frankly, to be uh, demanding that much, by the way. Like, I think 20 to 22 is a really nice payment for him as an older guard, uh, you know, coming off injuries. And, and yes, he obviously stepped up in the finals. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, in the playoff run. I just don't know that, you know, there's any type of market out there for him, for him to be demanding a lot more than 22 million. I mean, am I, am I overvaluing him, Ethan? Good. Well, I, I don't think you're overvaluing him for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that's going to be my next question. Like, I don't think you're over. Usually you're competing against a market. Right. OK, so I go back to the Dwayne Wade situation. And if you remember, Dwayne was trying to create a market for himself and there really wasn't one. Like, that's the thing that doesn't really get talked about in either 15 or 16 and 16. There really wasn't a market. The only two places that were really stepping up and I was with this every minute of that process. OK. And I was, you know, contacting agents, executives. And obviously I was speaking to Dwayne, people with the heat there really wasn't anybody they were worried about. 
the Heat because they didn't really see a team emerging. And really only two teams did, which was Chicago and Denver. And it was enough of a market to push the Heat a little bit, but not enough. And then, of course, at the end, you know, Mickey met with him and Pat never met with him, but Mickey met with him and Dwayne expected there to be some kind of last ditch effort. Instead, Mickey hugged him. That's what Dwayne told me. And that was pretty much it. There wasn't anywhere else that the heat could go or wanted to go. Now, in this case, it comes back to this. I mean, usually your market is uh, what you get paid is based on your market value. But I just think there's something else at play here. First, they love him. Two, he's made it clear he wants to be here. Three, they recognize the sacrifices he's made. Four, and this might be most important, Jimmy loves him, okay? And they're not going to defy Jimmy. And the fifth thing is what you mentioned. They've built up so much goodwill after kind of the big three the big three era ended badly. And they're now viewed as this organization that takes care of its players, that gets the most out of its players. They had the Wade thing in 16. Like, they have to pay him, right? Like, and he knows that. Like, you, I mean, Greg, you're a heat culture, like, it's going to look terrible. Yeah, no, right? that, if they don't take exactly. care of it. And that's where, since he made 18 million last year, I feel like that you have to give him some sort of a raise if uh, you are only going on a one year deal. Cause I would imagine that there could be a team out there that would be willing to offer him multiple years, at least at the taxpayer mid level. So, I mean, uh, you want to be able to comp that at least. So that's where I feel like it's, 20 million or, or, you know, somewhere around there is probably right, you know, where it'll come in for Goran Dragic. I, I think it could be 18 because I think they can make the case to him that we're going to keep you where you were, even though all everybody else's money's going down. I think they might be able to make a case, but I think it's in that 18 to 20 year, 20 million window. But let me give you this, Alex. Let's say a team does offer the mid-level because I think that's possible. Let's see a team that thinks it's close offers Goron three years at 30 and the Heat are offering one year at 18. Okay. If you're Goron, do you stay? I mean, is that a serious threat? If he, if you know, if he's going to get $30 million from somebody. I mean, if it's a, if it's a great team, I'm sure he could use it as an option to leverage more from the Heat. If he wants to go that route again, it doesn't seem like it's going to be, you know, very hostile. Like we're going to even get to that point of negotiation, but who knows if that's just me being optimistic, I, I wouldn't know. I, I, I just, it really doesn't seem like it's going to get to that. Like, I, I do think he'll be, I wouldn't be, su- I, w- I would be surprised if he was trying to get a little bit more, but, and, and trying to leverage it. So he's like, okay, I've got these other r- winning teams here. I don't think he even wants to get to that. I think he would rather just stay with the heat. Like they were in the finals. He just realized his NBA dreams right now. Right. Like, and I think he wants, he, he just saw like how close they were. I think this team is really connected. I don't think he's, he's going to be at that point. And we know NBA players have agents and that's what they do. They, they, you know, they do the most of what's, what's available to them. So maybe that becomes a possibility, but again, I would be extremely surprised if, if he was budging to try to get more than 2022 million. Like, I, I, I don't know that it's going to get to that point. I think it's dangerous if a team that, is good but has had some issues but and can use a player like him makes him a mid-level offer you know who would scare me and i don't have any intel on this a team like the sixers that that clearly needs someone like him a play you know a guy who plays his ass off is liked by his teammates can play both guard spots can take some pressure off simmons i have no intel on this but like a team like they just got swept in the first round though I know I understand, but about you can the Clippers, justify though? it. You've got Simmons and you've got Embiid and you got Tobias Harris. There are good players there, yeah, right? But and you know, so I'm just saying I think the Clippers would actually be the dangerous one there. 
Okay. 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 That's another one. He would be a huge upgrade over Pat Beverly as an offensive player. Right. Okay. And you could pair him. Even if you didn't move Beverly, you could pair the two of them. Um, and you would make up for whatever Goran's defensive troubles are. And Goran makes up for, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't, they better be careful not to lowball him. I don't think they will, but I, you don't want to play that game yeah, because they played exactly. it with Dwayne and they made a, a situation that could have been very easily taken care of. They made it complicated. And then once you, everybody gets in their feelings, like, you know, and, and then you get meddling from other players. And you mentioned Bill Duffy's a very good agent who has a, a long relationship with the Heat. We know about the Anthony Carter thing and everything else. Um, but he's also not going to let his player get pushed around. And so I think they're going to do the right thing. I believe they're going to do the right thing, but they need to be, they need to be within range. Maybe they offer him the 16 first 16 to 18. If he says 20, you say, okay, we'll give it to you. I, I think that's pretty much where you're at. Yeah, that sounds accurate. I mean, and then the next guy that would obviously be on the list would be Jay Crowder, right? That's priority number two of the, yeah. of the in-house guys. Yeah, no doubt. And so let's get into him now because he wasn't talked about a lot on the presser. Again, any money you're talking about with Goron, if we're not talking about salary cap, but you're talking about luxury tax, if that's a concern, anything you give to Goron, you're kind of taken away from Jay. What is the place where you would try to, to get Jay? What would you try to get Jay to take for one year? And do you see any scenario where a guy who's played for so many teams has been trying to find a home would not be comfortable with taking a one year deal and you may lose him to for three years somewhere else? I mean, he said he wanted long-term security, but I think it was taken a little out of context. It's a situation where I think he's coming off making seven or $8 million last season. So if the mid-level is at nine and you would think that maybe that would be probably the most he would fetch on the open market. If you can give him what, 11, 12 million, you can secure him on a Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts. Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. One-year deal with confidence. I think that that would be a pretty... Um, uh, like that's a, a gracious offer and it's above market value. So that that's probably where I, where I would imagine that they would start the, or end the negotiations with Crowder. Where would you go, Alex? 11 to or 12 me, or more? Definitely probably under 12. I think I, I mean, look, I, I was really high on them needing defenders and needing, you know, guys who be two way players, three and D guys. And they, they got multiple of them and Crowder and Iguodala. I think it's in their best interest to keep those guys. I, I'm a little bit confused as to what they can actually do with Crowder. I know that they're going to most likely keep him and they're going to find a way and Ellisburg has a guy to figure it out. Good thing I'm not in charge, right? But uh, <laughs> from what I understand, they have his bird rights and can use that. But if they're going to use uh, pretty much 90% of the cap space, 95% of the cap space on Goron, I'm a little bit confused as to how much they can offer him. But I do think if you're offering him around that type of money and you and you can still have other options to maybe add another piece or two to the team, I think that's the best case scenario right now. I, I do think they should make sure to keep him. I don't know how much better they can get, you know, losing defensive players like that. And somebody who proved that, you know, he stepped up at playing defense on bigger players and mismatches and somebody who I, he, I think he's a very like Spo has knows how to use him and, and knows how to get the most out of him. 
Well, an important distinction, though, in this is that the Heat would be operating as an above-the-cap team, so they would never even actually have cap space. They would use, basically, uh, as you agree with each free agent, their cap hold will be replaced by their salary, whatever you agree to. So with Goran, you would use, you know, you'd stay above the cap throughout the entire process to retain any of their own free agents. How do you think they retain Jay Crowder? I think we all think it's likely that they retain him but what are the avenues that they can retain him while not using the exceptions? Well, listen, I'm not Andy Ellisberg or Albert Nama. You're the but, closest thing we've got. But yeah, right. Um, essentially, they would be operating as an above the cap team. So they would never essentially have cap space. And they would be working with Jay Crowder's cap hold. But the minute that they agree to a new deal, his cap hold would be replaced by whatever the year one salary. And in this case, it would be a one-year deal. Uh, so whatever that salary would be is what he would be on the, the books for. So they're really, they're trying to stay away from that luxury tax number. So that's why when we're adding up all of these different salaries, you're trying to just stay away from that $139 million mark and with Crowder that's where I feel like it'll be above the mid-level uh where they can kind of start the bidding at around 11 million and we're going to get to the other guys here in a second because when we start talking about that kind of money for Dragic and Crowder you're talking about 31 million again whether it's salary cap or whether you're going over the cap it still counts for the luxury tax and so that's a decision that Arison's going to need to make before we do you got a decision to make if you have a car accident you got a slip and fall if you're hurt as a result of someone else's negligence, the decision you need to make is to give the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg a call. They're available 24-7 at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or you can call 1-855-5000-LAW, 1-855-5000-LAW with a centralized office located right off 95 in Miami. We're going to start working out of that office again. Uh, we're in that same building as well. They're ready to take on your case, whether it's in South Florida or anywhere else in the state against the Seltzer Mayberg law firm, reach out to Mendy, to David, to Cassandra, to Eric, to everybody down there. Uh, give them a call. Tell them that five reasons sent you. You'll get the best possible. You get the best possible work on a traffic ticket. Trust me. I've had a couple of them. They've had them tossed out. They can do the same thing for you. So reach out to them at one All right, let's get to the next guy. I mean, I thought that it was interesting that Pat Riley while putting Myers Leonard in the context of being one of the best teammates, one of the most enthusiastic people he's been around made sure to say he's a pretty damn good player too. Now he wasn't the same player in the bubble that he was prior to the bubble. You kind of know what he can do at his best and what he can't do. We've done a whole episode of floors yours on the other bigs that are out there. Greg, Give me a scenario where Myers Leonard returns. I think it's a pretty likely one. Like the more you crunch the numbers, it seems like they're going to be have the opportunity to bring back most guys. And it's just um, with the continuity of the team and him kind of buying into his role, no matter whether it's as a starter or off the bench, he was productive in stretches. Uh, and I think that essentially like somewhere north of the veterans minimum is probably what you'll need to keep him. I mean, I don't see a huge market for Myers Leonard, particularly coming off that playoff run so I think it's pretty likely because um, you know at least you know that you can count on him in stretches and he knows the you know expectations and the, and the team so it just makes sense to keep him around Alex would you bring him back as a third or fourth big yeah yeah I think for everything Lake just said I mean I don't think he's going to be expensive at all uh, I think he's going to be somebody that you can keep and they're they're going to be creative and being able to keep these guys like Leif said like I think with him 
and with a couple of other guys that I guess I, I'm not going to name if we're going to get to them. But I do think it's going to be a thing where it's like if another team that's a winning situation offers him a bigger role than maybe one he could expect from Miami, then maybe, you know, they would leave. But I think or obviously if, if uh, one of these young bad teams with cash face and he, he wants to take that direction, it doesn't seem like he wants to do that. I think he, I just think it's like as long as he's OK with really not knowing if he's even going to be in the rotation at all then as long as he's cool with that, then sure, bring him back. Like, I, I, again, I think he's somebody that you can throw into the starting lineup, and I think he's a really good fit next to Ben when you're talking about just a shooting big who, who does the baseline for you on defense. Like, I, you saw, again, like, th- that starting lineup with Myers Leonard was good all year on both mm-hmm. sides of the floor. We, it's, it wasn't perfect by any means, but they got along just fine with him and, and Kendrick Nunn, who are guys who are defensively limited. And I think it's questionable whether he is good for the team when he's not playing alongside Bam, who really covers up his mistakes on defense. But uh, I think, like, as an extra rotation guy, or you know, I think him and a couple other guys, and specifically Derek Jones Jr., who we talked about in the last pod about the young guys, are guys where it's like you don't really know what your role is going to be. If you're cool with that and you, you, you really just love this team that much, you want to be a part of a winning situation, you know that you're going to be in and out then cool. But it's it's going to be a small deal, a short-term deal, and you're not going to know your role. So I think it really is just up to them. Well, I think there's a trust level there. Like you said, the role thing's so important because one of the things Riley talked about was how difficult it was for Spolster to have 12 playable players, right? If Myers is what is his role? Well, we always talk about teams not having enough depth, but you want to have you know, you want to, if you have too much depth then you want to have guys who can understand it and can deal with it. Myers was very open about the difficulties of it, but he didn't complain. We saw the way he reacted on the sideline. We don't know if Udonis is going to be on the active roster next year. So if that's the case, you need a voice like Myers Leonard in the locker room to kind of replace that. One other thing I wanted to mention was when he wasn't playing, you know, Jimmy Butler was making it clear to people around him that he wanted it out there of how important Myers was to the team. And I don't know if you noticed, but um, I actually retweeted a tweet from Jimmy's agent, Bernie Lee, expressing the importance not only of Dragic, but also of Myers Leonard in setting a tone for this team. And I keep saying, don't overlook the players that Jimmy wants around. Okay. He's going to have a big say in that. And so that doesn't mean Myers is going to get $10 million a year, but it does mean I think he's going to get an offer. I think he's going to get an offer and then. And then a decision. All right, last one we're going to get to because we did DJJ on the other pod, so check that out. Solomon Hill, do you offer him the veteran minimum? Do you offer him more? What's his value, Greg? I guess, like, you don't know until you see how the roster shakes out with whatever um, non-taxpayer mid-level signing they could potentially make. I know that Barry Jackson reported uh, that they may be even – you know, open-minded to offering a multi-year deal at that. Um, and, you know, because it would be able to uh, preserve 2021 max cap space and you could offer that. So it depends on who they would get there, but you know that you can trust him a, at least enough that he got finals minutes. I mean, it wasn't much, but uh, he was trusted uh, in stretches that you didn't maybe expect. So he's another guy that maybe in a full year around this team um, in, a, in the best shape of his life, maybe he puts together a, a, a James Johnson-esque type, uh, you know, like uh, resurgence in, in, from his career. But I mean, I don't know that he's going to get those kind of opportunities so i mean i think slightly above the, the vet minimum or at the vet minimum is is i mean nobody's going to offer more than that so it's just a, a more matter of do you want a more high upside guy at the end of the bench 
what yeah, would you do with him? I'm pretty much with you there. I would be leaning on bringing him back, just having another guy who you can trust to be there defensively if, you know, you ever go through any injury stuff or you end up making another move. Like we talked about with Iguodala or Olenek uh, being part of a, a of deals potentially in the future. And I think that's that a great point. It directly has to do with Myers Leonard, directly has to do with uh, with Derek Jones Jr., directly has to do with Solomon Hill and their roles on the team and kind of what I was alluding to before. And I think Hill is, you know, those are guys who you can plug in if the spot opens up there. And if, you know, I, I don't know what his market's going to be like. And that's why I'm like, okay, good. Bring him back for the minimum. I'm good with him, man. I think he he played pretty good minutes out there against the Lakers in the biggest stage, right? Nobody's saying he's he's a needle mover, but I would like to keep him on the roster. I think he wants to be here too. And I think what all these guys have in common, the, the four guys we already about, really close with a bunch of guys there. Yeah. he They developed really close relationships in the bubble. And I think that's one thing that we should address before we end this one is I think that's going to make it harder to part with certain guys. I do. I, as much as Riley wants to push forward to the next thing and he will, he's got to be careful. And I think he will be careful with the chemistry of this team. And I think he's got to consult the leaders of this team who's integral, who's important behind the scenes, who's doing the things that maybe we aren't seeing. And I just think they had such a good group. They caught lightning in a bottle and then they made the trades. And instead of making things worse, which sometimes trades do in the midseason, and on the, on the floor, it looked worse for a little while, but Andre and Jay made such big contributions and clearing Dion out of the situation and, you know, justice being unhappy at the end. When you develop a mix like that, like you got to be careful when you tinker. And, yeah. and Riley has recognized that it's it's team building. That's what he does. And sometimes you have a mix that you, not everybody gets along and you still win. He won a championship in 06 with that kind of mix. You know, the big three teams sometimes had some jealousies among veterans, other things like that. But this team, like their mix was a big reason for their success. Like this is one totally. of the teams where the chemistry didn't come necessarily from the winning. The, the winning in some ways came from the chemistry. That's rare. That doesn't always happen. And so if it's a question of Solomon Hill is a guy who fit as a minimum or slightly above minimum guy, as opposed to getting another minimum guy who might have more upside, they might just stay with Solomon Hill because they trust him. Right. Also I, the, the tight turnaround, like they're all of a sudden going to be approached with a season in December. They're starting to, you know, talk about game one being uh, right before Christmas. Like yeah. I think having a, a team coming back cohesive with, with the continuity and just as connected as they were, like, why not? Um, I, I think that that plus one addition uh, with mid-level and then you kind of, you, you watch the trade market. It's kind of the perfect recipe for them to go into next season. All right, check out the other episodes here in this series. We got one more left that we're going to do uh, coming up. We, actually, two more left. We're going to talk about that number 20 pick. We're going to bring on Brady Hawk because I haven't studied the draft at all. So we're going to get into that. Is that a pick that they should actually keep or should they move it? And then the fifth one where we're going to bring Alf on for that one for sure is to talk about Riley's response to my question about his future, his own personal future. Check out the other episodes in our library. Check out the two sponsors of this episode one legal.com that's the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm, and also our friends over at Biscayne Bay Brewing. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Five.